Please do be seated and I'm going to invite um, our reader to come and share our gospel reading. Please, thank you. Um, and after that, um, Sam is going to come and share what he's prepared for us. The reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 to 46. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then, in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything that he had, he had and bought it. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you very much, Liz. Am I on? Yeah. Great. Well, good morning, everyone. It's um, great to be here with you today. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Sam, and I'm a member of the church family here at uh, Totley All Saints. And it's wonderful if you're here today and you're new, you're visiting. It is a real pleasure to have you with us today as we open up God's Word and see what He has to say to us. So, before we do that, why, why don't I just pray? Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much that you choose to speak to us, that even though we don't deserve to hear from you, you have shown us yourself and shown us your Son. And we pray today that your Spirit would be at work in us to show us more of the glory of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, let me just start by reminding you, tomorrow is not a bank holiday. (laughs) Unfortunately... We don't get one for your revision as much as we might like one. Not when we place so poorly, anyway. So it's a week on from our extra bank holiday this year for the King's coronation. And I'm sure many of you would have seen the official portraits that have come out over the weekend. The King and his family all dressed in their royal regalia. You'd be forgiven for almost mistaking them for another Eurovision entry. But they're incredibly impressive. And once you get over just how long the robes are, if you're anything like me, your eyes get drawn to the crown, the scepter, the orb. It was the same last weekend at the coronation, completely taken by the crown jewels. Forget everything else going on. There's so much gold, so much jewels. I read that the crown itself, just the crown, had 444 precious jewels on it let alone the scepter and the orb and everything else they had. So much value in these portraits of the king and his family. Well, the passage that Liz just read for us, it gives us two quick stories, two quick parables about exactly that, about value. And specifically about the value of the kingdom of God. See, if you've not been here with us the past few weeks, we've been looking at these passages in Matthew, the kingdom parables, where Jesus is teaching the crowds about the kingdom of God. And here in today's passage, the crowds are gone and it's just Jesus and his disciples. And he tells them these two stories. I don't know why, but Ben always seems to not preach when it's a tiny passage. Three verses, I think Chris has had a few when it's just been one verse or two. He seems to escape. But here we've got these two stories. They they seemingly tell the same thing, but in fact, 
they present two slightly different facets about the same wonderful truth about the kingdom of God. They teach us all about its precious value and its desirability. The first man out for a walk or maybe working in the field, he stumbles upon a treasure. It doesn't take him long to realize that what he's discovered is so much more valuable and more wonderful than all his worldly possessions. He is overjoyed, he's over the moon, and he makes the obvious choice. He goes and sells everything he has so he can purchase this field and get the treasure. The second man, we're told, he's a merchant. His job is to buy and sell things for a profit, to make money. I imagine in his lifetime, in his job, he would have come across many fine things, many fine, valuable pearls. But here he comes across one pearl that is so beautiful, so valuable, he simply has to have it. Not to sell on for a profit, not as part of his job, but simply to have and to treasure. See, Jesus' point to his disciples is this, the, the kingdom of God is treasure worth pursuing and possessing. The kingdom of God is treasure worth pursuing and possessing. See, Jesus is talking to his disciples here, and it comes just after he's explained to them the parable of the weeds, which is a parable we looked at a few weeks back. And I think the context helps us see Jesus' point a bit more. See, in his explanation of the parable of the weeds, Jesus says this, So will it be at the end of the age, the Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. See, Jesus is is saying to his disciples that in this world, Christians and non-Christians will live side by side, but... They are headed in very different directions. And then Jesus tells them these two parables highlighting the value of the kingdom of God. See, Jesus wants them to know how great a treasure the kingdom is. He wants them to know that it is the most valuable thing that could possibly ever exist. And so they need to ensure that they are headed towards it. Towards that day when they will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Now, before I go any further, I just want want to make something really clear to us. Um, For anyone here who wouldn't call themselves a Christian, the the meaning of pursuing and possessing the kingdom is is very clear. The value of the kingdom means it is worth you looking into this more, to read more about what Jesus did and said, and to make up your own mind about what you believe about this man and his kingdom. For those of us who do call ourselves Christians, those of us who trust that Jesus died for our sins and rose again, then we are already part of God's kingdom. Where we talk about pursuing and possessing God's kingdom, we're not talking about trying to earn it. We're not trying to work our way into it because Jesus has already secured it for us. It's ours already. But the thing is, as children of the kingdom... There is still a call on us to live our lives for God. See, later in Matthew's gospel, Jesus says these words. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. 
But whoever loses their life for me will find it. See, there is a call on us to grow in the maturity of our faith. A call to continue to obey God and his commands on our daily lives. There's still a path we need to walk and a fight that is still to be had. As Paul says in his letter to the Philippians, forgetting what lies behind and straining forwards to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. As children of the kingdom, we're called to live a life of discipleship. To live our lives in line with the status we have as children of God. We're called to ensure we stay on that narrow path. And it's this that we're talking about when we're looking at pursuing, pursuing and possessing the kingdom of God. See, the kingdom of God is treasure worth pursuing and possessing. So, a natural question is what's so good about it? What makes the kingdom of God so valuable? What would be so valuable a treasure we would give up everything to possess it? Now, I'm not sure how each of you here might answer that question. The truth is there are many things that are valuable about the kingdom of God. So to help, I I had asked some of the church family what they valued the most about the kingdom of God. And I've got some of what they said here, which will come up on the screens. So firstly, they, they mentioned the king, Jesus. They mentioned that they love the fact and value the fact that he is merciful, that he is just, that he cares for all, that he welcomes everyone, that he is a selfless king. Then second of all, we've got its citizens. They value the close relationships, the deep fellowship that comes with being brothers and sisters, the care and the support and the encouragement. And then the kingdom itself, the fact that the kingdom is a certain hope. It will come in fullness and it does give us great hope. And then finally, being part of the kingdom, being a child being loved, being forgiven, being part of the growing kingdom, knowing the king and and giving it a purpose, giving us a purpose. They are all wonderful truths that many of us here will, will treasure. And I'm really thankful that people came back with that first one, the king. Often I think we can end up overlooking the fact that God is the greatest value of the kingdom. There's a book I read a a few years ago now. It's It's a book called God is the Gospel. And it starts in the intro by asking the question, would we be happy in heaven if God wasn't there? If everything else was there, our friends, our family, our bodies were wonderful and perfect, would we be happy? Would it be enough? Well, and the book goes on to make the point that the, the good news of the gospel, the great news of the Christian truth, is that as fallen and sinful people, we get to have a relationship with God himself because of what Jesus has done. It's not just that we are forgiven. It's not just that we are restored and brought into the family, made part of the kingdom. Those things are all incredibly valuable and wonderful, dear truths. But it's more than that. Those great things all mean we get the greatest thing, which is God himself. And this is where the highest value of the kingdom lies, in knowing God. See, in our last prayer meeting, if you were with us, we were looking at 
and some verses from Revelation, Revelation 4. And we're told the elders, they fall down in praise and they worship God and say, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. And by your will they existed and were created. And Ben spoke briefly about this and he was talking to us about how there are only two things, two types of thing. There are those things on the one hand that are created, us, our world, everything in it. And then on the other hand, there's the creator. And what this means is it means that God is completely different to us, so different to us, different to anything we can know. It's not just that God is bigger and better, a super version of ourselves, if you like. It's that he is completely different. He is set apart. He is pure, holy, just, gracious, merciful, loving, welcoming. All in ways we cannot fully comprehend because we are creatures and not the creator. And yet this is the God we are told we can know. This is the God who has graciously made himself known to us. And does everything to bring us into his kingdom to enjoy him forever. And then we have all these other treasures and value that are up on the screen of being part of this kingdom. Being part of a kingdom characterized by the attributes of its king. A kingdom whose king is selfless. Who loves to serve others. A kingdom which looks out for those suffering. That cares for the poor and the marginalized. That upholds justice. That brings us into close fellowship to be brothers and sisters, a place where we are fully loved, fully accepted, and belong no matter how many times we get things wrong, a kingdom where we are always welcome. This kingdom of God is treasure worth pursuing, pursuing, I can never say that word right, pursuing and possessing, I should have written that sentence differently. Now, I, I can't imagine there's too many of us, and I could be wrong here, but I can't imagine there's too many of us here who are sat there thinking, yes, amen, and that is exactly how I go and live my life every day, wholeheartedly pursuing the kingdom of God. If, if you're anything like me, I think it's more likely that when we come across passages like this, where the call is to live our whole lives for God, that there's a familiar twinge of guilt We know we don't live like that. We fall far short of it. We so often choose to live for ourselves. And so that guilt is there. That call to live our lives wholly for God's kingdom highlights areas to us where we still have unbelief. We know the kingdom of God is treasure worth pursuing and possessing, and yet we don't value it as we should. Well, what is it that stops us? What is it that gets in the way. Well, it comes down to what rules our hearts. What is it that we truly treasure? See, earlier in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus states, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus says that where our treasure is, there our hearts will be. There the center of our being will be. Our whole selves directed towards whatever it is that we treasure It will be what dominates our thoughts, what you spend your time, your effort, your money doing. It will be what gets your passions lit, what really sets them aflame. It will be what you find yourself daydreaming about, the thing you find greatest satisfaction in, the thing you love 
talking to others about. So what is that for you? What do you treasure the most? It could be your career. It could be your pursuit of success or status. Perhaps popularity, fame, riches. It may be material things, food, the latest gadget or the latest upgrade or having to have the latest thing. It may be sexual fulfillment, it may be marriage or simply comfort, a comfortable life. Now you may have a good idea of what that is for you. Some of those things that I read out might have jumped out to you, but some of you may not. But either way, and here's, here's what I find the scary thing, it will show in the way you live. What holds that highest spot, the number one spot in what you treasure, it will show itself in how you live your life. So let me ask you uh, the question, but slightly differently. What answer would I get if I asked your spouse, your family, your friends, your children, what is it that so-and-so loves the most? What is it they enjoy above all things? What is it they love talking about? What is it that they treasure? Again, if you're anything like me, this is where I almost physically start to squirm and instantly react. Please don't go and ask Kat, don't go and ask my children what it is that I treasure because I know the answers would leave me feeling pretty embarrassed and pretty ashamed. In his letter to the New Testament, James, James writes this, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. When something so good is on offer, when such a great treasure is mine, why do I so often leave it in the field and follow the treasures of this world instead? There's a great quote from C.S. Lewis, which I'm sure many of you are familiar with, and it should come up on your screens again. C.S. Lewis says this, We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. It's, it's a popular quote, and I, I think it's popular because it rings so true with people. We spend so much of our time enjoying the treasures of this life instead of living for the greater one we have now and in the next. But as we come near the end, let me offer some comfort and hope. In his letter to the Corinthians, Paul says this, What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. We have the mind of Christ. And then later on, again to the Corinthians, Paul writes, And we all are being transformed into Christ's image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. You see, we have been given the Holy Spirit and we are being transformed into the image of Jesus. So much so that Paul says we have the mind of Christ. So here's the encouragement. Yes, we are sinful, selfish, 
and broken people. Yes, we are too easily satisfied with the treasures that fall far short of the one we have. But we have been given the Holy Spirit and he will change us. He will transform us as we grow in our faith. As we look to Jesus, we will be changed. And as that happens, we will start to find our values change. We will start to value the very things Jesus values. And they will bring us the joy we saw in those parables. His care for the marginalized, the poor, the needy. His mercy, his patience, his grace. His selfless love and sacrifice. His relationship with his Father and the Spirit. These will all be the things we start to value and a treasure above all else. Our love for them and our love for God will grow. It will grow and grow and will become the treasure that is most precious to us. The treasure that brings us so much joy, we would happily leave all else behind. We will see in full light that the kingdom of God is the treasure worth pursuing and possessing. And we will be able to say, as King David says, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you, I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you as in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. Let me pray as we finish. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these parables that show us about the value of your kingdom. We are sorry for those times when we so often are satisfied with treasures that fall far short of the one you offer. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Lord, we pray that more and more those words of King David will become our words. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.